Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed epiphany season this Wednesday, January the 12th. We gather this next hour around the inspired and true word of God and see Christ, our light and our life. And this light shines on us today from Matthew chapter 9. Jesus came back from across the sea. When it's amazing to me to think about, he goes across the sea and he just takes care of those two demon-possessed men, puts the demon to the pigs, and he gets right back in the boat and goes back. And now we see, continue to see his authority as he goes and he's presented with a paralytic. What does he do for this paralytic? The, the need is obvious, but Jesus does something we don't quite expect. And then he calls the most unexpected a tax collector to be his own. What does this mean for them? And what does it mean for us? For the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. As KFUO, this is something I'm doing uh, as we began this new year and after a year of being together, which was last Friday, as we know that KFUO is Christ for you anytime, anywhere. We also know that it's, like I said, anywhere means around the world. So we want to hear from you, where you're listening from, how long you've been listening to KFUO. It doesn't have to just be thy strong word. It can be many others. Send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Or you can go to our app, a KFUO app, and go to the open mic option and even speak to it. So far, we have heard from listeners from Ohio, Illinois, Missouri, Wisconsin, Oregon, Hawaii, Pennsylvania, and yes, the far reaches of Nebraska. And one final um, uh, international feel is from Sri Lanka. And all many of these are continuous listeners, but also some new ones. So if you're out there listening, send us an email as we are joyful to hear from you around the world. But today we are here to be in God's word, so helping us to be strengthened by his word. We welcome regular guest, Pastor John Shank from Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Edwardsville, Illinois. Pastor Shank, happy epiphany, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Blessed epiphany to you, and I pray that you had a wonderful Christmas, uh, happy new year. Uh, yes, it is a wonderful time to be in epiphany. It's a yeah. sunny day here in, in Edwardsville. It's a, a good day for the light of Christ to uh, to shine and enlighten us. So, so, Pastor, tell me this as we're saying this. I love the epiphany hymns. Do you have anyone that pops to mind right away that you really enjoy? I want oh, to put man. you on the spot this morning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, it is hard. I mean, I go through uh, every week, and we were um, picking out hymns, and, you know, it's like, what what are we singing this week or next week? That's kind of my favorite. We were just looking at um, I Want to Walk as a Child of Light. Yeah. Kind of a nice Amen. one when we can have refrains. Um that helps our children, you know, the kind of, um, if they can't read, they can catch on pretty quickly um, and on a frame and, and kind of join with their older uh, students and singing. We're, we're singing thy, uh, we're actually singing thy strong word uh, hey. as uh, an epiphany hymn, a hymn of the month, because it's, uh, his word cleaves the darkness. Um, oh, and so yeah. That, that was an interesting connection we were making this this month in our school chapels. So yeah, it's uh it's kind of you know we put these things. Certain ones are written for those you know because of uh, you know uh, 
a Magi connection, a Wedding at Cana connection, or Transfiguration connection. Of course, they're Epiphany hymns and intending to be. But sometimes there's other hymns that have that um, revelation, God's Word, His light connection, and they shouldn't be ignored either as Epiphany hymns. And I love it. And, and this is a good reminder to our listeners is not only are we slowly going through Matthew, I mean, our goal here, Pastor, is that by the time we get to Resurrection Day, which would be Easter, we will go through all of Matthew. So we're taking our time, but also to do this with songs and hymnody that we sing in church, because often we sing it, we just like the tune or whatever. I mean, I'm guilty of this as well. You know, we choose our hymns and, oh, that's upbeat or this is somber. But we don't dig into the words. And like you said, thy strong word, the basis of our program here, our Bible study, thy strong word did cleave the darkness at thy speaking. It was done. Not only is that creation, but also this revelation of Christ, this epiphany season. And you said my favorite hymn epiphany. You said it exactly right. 411, I want to walk as a child of the light. What a joy. And I never thought of that. The, the refrains help our children learn the hymnody even better. So that is a, a great reminder for us today. So, Pastor, anything else going on for you, your family, and, and the work of the Saints at Trinity? Yeah, with our with our school, we're gonna we're getting ready for Lutheran Schools Week coming up, and oh, right. it's just you know with the whole talk of refrains and things. I, I don't, um, you know, faithful teachers who are uh, in our school and some have retired already from our school over the years have kind of reminded me that of that when we're picking out hymns. Remember. Remember the kindergartners, Pastor. Remember the preschoolers. They can't read yet. Let's pick some <laughs> songs that they can learn over the month. And we definitely, you know, we have hymns of the month and we have hymns of the year. And then individually, something that goes for that day. This this time, we, you know, we sang, um, I am baptized into Christ. Yeah. Uh, and so, it, you know, it's definitely something where the kids <clears throat> definitely learn that repetition and they never really, they don't complain. I think it's its an adult thing to complain about singing hymns more often. And they, they get the, the frequency of having the new hymn every week to learn, um, but to have that comfort of knowing, oh, yeah, that, but we'll get to sing our hymn of the year, too, and we'll have a hymn in a month. And that kind of something, they by the end, they really do sing it louder and louder every week as they learn more and more of it throughout the throughout the month. So, yeah, it's a blessing to have a school, that's for sure. Oh, what a joy. What a joy. And I remember I had a preschool in my first congregation, and we would sing. Every other week we had chapel, we would sing, I am Jesus' little lamb, 740. Mm -hmm. And I remember those kids, like you said, they really could not read, at least not well. And boy, did they sing that beautifully. I mean, it was just, I, I just can hear, still hear that singing. And you think of a hymn like Hosanna, Loud Hosanna, written for children by a Sunday school teacher in England in the 18th 19th century. I mean, just brings all that together, and what a joy that is. Because you're right, when we get older, we tend to complain. Um, but the kids, oh, they can't help but sing um, the joyous uh, news of our Lord Jesus. So, Pastor, we could probably talk hymnody all day, but let's get into God's Word. Can you begin our time in prayer? <laughs> yes, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord, you are the great physician of body and soul, bringing to us the fullness of your grace the forgiveness of all of our sins. By your Holy Spirit, enlighten us to that need, our need, and cause us now, O Lord, to rejoice in your gifts. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 
Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call 314-821-0850. 314-821-0850. And I'll admit, I'm noticing this already. I'm talking fast this morning, partly because of I'm excited for this text. Matthew 9 is one of those I almost I continuously have for confirmation to emphasize how our Lord acts and what he does and our greatest need and who he calls. And that's why I'm really excited to dig into this today. So, Pastor, I want to start this way. I'm going to read all 13 verses that we're studying and come back and get your first introductory thoughts because these words are so powerful. So I promise I'll slow down in my talking this morning. So here we go. (laughs) Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. And getting into the boat, Jesus crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home, and when the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he had heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Pastor, these are, 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 we've heard this many times in our lives. It's in the lectionary. It's something that we hear often. Um, and so, Pastor, how do you want to begin so we can start off on the right foot in Matthew chapter 9? So I would begin by, by drawing out the contrast, right? There's throughout, mm-hmm. um, and it started before. I mean, you, you've had it already, the contrast of, the demon possessed that were were healed, and then the reaction of the um, the town, the the the, the herdsmen, the the reaction towards rejecting compared to receiving what God has called called us to to understand our need for His Son and, and to follow Him. Um, the understanding even when before that with the you know those that wanted to follow Jesus. And uh, and understanding the cost of following, and and many are now unwilling uh, to to um, to take up that cross and and follow Christ, and so that we've got this um, this positioning of those who know that they have a need compared to those who are rejecting uh, Christ and and. The one true Christ, maybe thinking that they needed a different kind of Christ, or I don't know. It's, it seems uh, it seems odd this this one that we've been in such a long expectation for is here, and yet there is this 
constant rejection as well as, thankfully so, those who have received him. But those who have received him are um, visually different than the ones um, who are rejecting him. And that's a great a great yeah. sadness there, too. Mm-hmm. There is a... a uh... That is a, a great way of looking at this as far as the contrast of those who you think will follow and then those who actually do. And, and this is important for, for you, our listeners, and for us as pastors and for everybody, is we just don't know <laughs> who's going to follow this message. We kind of have this right. vision of whatever that perception might be. Um, but boy, God, you know, when it, when it says calling all sinners come home, I mean, there's, there's, there's no truer effect, no truer uh, vision of this. And we see here in Matthew nine, that, that God calls and the Holy spirit works and people follow in ways we don't ever expect. And thanks be to God for that. Other thoughts you have before we begin? Yeah. I mean, this is a part of a greater section of healing. And um, so there's been a number of healings that you've had to kind of digest and understand. And within those healings, it wasn't the healing of it or the miracle in and of itself, but the miracle pointed us to then take another examining, another look at who this Jesus is. And even within that, um, you've had those um, like the centurion and his faith, um, kind of made a great confession of faith in and around the healing or the miracle that was happening. And that's really, we want our people to fully understand that it's, it's the faith and the reception of the Christ. He is the greatest gift. He is the greatest miracle. And then everything around that is, is kind of drawing us in instead of having us remain on the outside, looking at the outside thing or the uh, lesser thing which is actually the miracle to then see that Jesus is the greater thing. So as we look at this, um, it, yeah, it is, it's showing Jesus's authority, which is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So we know this guy has authority. We know that he is a king. This goes back to the Magi. We know he's a teacher. Um, We know that, that the people who believe call him Lord. You know, there's there's um, scribes and others that will call him teacher, kind of like, yeah, we know you're pretty good, but we're not sure if you're God. But those who, um, and I have to do a little more research on this, but it appears that when the people who believe call him Lord, knowing that there's more to this guy than just some good teaching. And so it really is a fascinating manifestation of this king is different than any other king, clearly different than King Herod and the other kings that are part of our, our text. And Matthew, um, he... He knows that this king is different because today he personally saw coming out of darkness and into the Lord's light. So, Pastor, anything else before we begin? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you that once uh, once Christ has gotten a hold of you, um, once, once you've been drawn into him, that uh, capitalized uh, Lord— um, uh, the the one who is the I am is the understanding of who Jesus is. He is the um, he is the Lord who spoke to the people um, through the burning bush. He is the Lord who led the people out of slavery. He is the one who brings them into the promised land. He is the one who um, uh, filled the temple with his presence. He is that one. 
And so, yes, yeah, so there is often kind of niceties thrown Jesus' way of teacher or rabbi, um, but that's definitely at arm's length compared to being the one who is wisdom incarnate or the word incarnate. And that's where he's drawing people to understand. And, and we'll, we'll kind of see that with the accusations against Jesus here. Yeah, yeah. I want to do one footnote before we begin, is if you have a Lutheran study Bible, I think one of the great visuals, I'm a very visual person and I need reference points, on page, so right now on in the Lutheran study Bible, we're on page 1,597, 1, and if you go to page 1,000. 596 to the left, it shows all the miracles of Jesus and the Gospels. And it is quite telling. It's amazing to be able to look at that and to realize that not only um, does this show his authority, but so is the compassion that he has on his people. So I just encourage you, if you have that kind of Bible, if you don't have that Bible, it's a great Bible to own, um, all the references, but the miracles of Jesus, you're able to see it all in one page as we're able to see it piece by piece here today. So I'm ready to go, Pastor. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Verses 1 and 2 of Matthew chapter 9. We read again. And getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. We'll end there just because that it can leave a lot of people with, oh, that's nice, or a little bit of a head-scratching here. Um, so how do you want to begin? So I, I also uh, agree with you how helpful the, the study Bible is, because then if you looked at Mark 2, 1 through 12, or Luke 5, 17 through 26, you, you would see that there is um, kind of more to the, the action that's happening you know, in Mark's gospel, we hear about how it was um, it was difficult to get to Jesus. There was uh, a large number of people in the crowd, and, and so the, these people who are bringing this paralytic were struggling to bring him all the way into Jesus' immediate presence in the sense of actually being having room for him to, to touch him or to speak to him. And so they go to great lengths to the point of, you know, that, that's where we, we hear and we probably spend more time with Sunday school children with the Mark text where they uh, go on through the roof and open a hole in the roof and, and lower the man down, the paralytic down and seeing this, right, um, and look, right, and look, what, what does Jesus see? He sees, um, he sees their faith, faith in, in him. So... Um, so yes, uh, you know there is um, more to the story if we're going to uh, kind of incorporate the other accounts. Um, it seems like um, Matthew's gospel is getting right to the uh, right to the heart of the action, right? But there was other things happening um, that kind of shows the compassion of the friends, the lengths that they're willing to go, um, and the faith of all of them, including the paralytic. Right? I would include the paralytic. Uh, into the fact that he too believed and and maybe uh, is encouraging or or asked to be brought to Jesus because he believed that Jesus is the answer to his greatest problem. And we have to get to see what 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 that is. But um, but yes, uh, there there's more to the action. And it is it is kind of surprising because Matthew tends to be a little more thorough than um, Mark does. I would say it that mm -hmm. way in his gospel writing. And this one, you're right; he just gets the point. 
that here's a paralytic, can't walk. We don't really know the context of, you know, it doesn't tell us anything about crowded room and a, and a roof or anything like that. But then he sees their faith. And this is an important aspect of this because faith receives the gifts of God, receives this forgiveness. So it isn't like a transactionary, um, like, oh, oh, there's your faith. Okay, now we do this. I mean, it is, but it the faith receives this gift from them. And then Jesus says words of, forgiveness, which kind of leaves your head scratching a little bit. I, for, for many of you who have heard this before, but he, I read this to confirmands. I almost put everything in a confirmation realm. They're like, why would he forgive sins? This guy has a bigger need. How would you address um, address our listeners or to our confirmands when they ask us such, such a question? Yeah, I think we would all could be there, right? <laughs> you know, um, put yourself in that situation if that was your child and uh, you're in the hospital room and your child is struggling to maintain uh, their breath, their life, and uh, Jesus comes by the the room and says, you know, uh, your sins are forgiven. Maybe we would grab hold of his uh, robe before he leaves and say, wait wait, wait a second. second. I also (laughs) would love it for you to heal my child. I did. I did heal them. They are forgiven their sins. Yeah, I think sometimes we're we 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 are um, majoring in the minors, as if this fallen life is all that there is, and if my health is all that I could ever attain or receive. The greatest gift from the Lord is to to be of good health, and really that's that is not it. And I think we know it intellectually, but when we're going through it. Maybe we we lose it. Maybe we forget. And I think we all fall into that, um, that the greatest gift, uh, the one that we pray for, give us this day our daily bread, is the bread from heaven, even more than uh, our food. And and there is going to be a time for all of us, unless Christ returns, that um, we won't have the earthly daily bread because we won't won't be eating anymore. Um, We'll be uh, breathing our last. And yet we still are being fed. We're still being given the bread of heaven. And if we have Jesus, we have everything. We have more than enough. Uh, We have eternal life. So, yeah, helping our kids and helping all of us understand um, that the uh, being uh, paralytic, being unable to walk or uh, maybe quadriplegic, that would be tragic, being unable to walk or move our arms um, is – a, uh, a an outward manifestation manifestation of our of our of our brokenness of sin of our sin prop sin singular I'm not saying that and this text doesn't lead us to to take that up of of uh, you know what kind of individual sins did he do to cause us right it's not even a text about that it's about the condition of sin and how we all are under that condition of sin, whether we realize that because it's obvious because this person's paralyzed, or is less obvious because how able-bodied we are. But it's all true for all of us. For those people that carried him and lowered him down, it was just as true for them that they needed this healing, this forgiveness, as much as it's paralytic. And for him and his life, I mean, it was probably... Um, probably pretty obvious the struggle that he 
had to deal with um, because of his condition the sense of of being or feeling um, as an outcast from God as being separated from God um, feeling like that that God um, uh, obvious obviously God this this man was a greater sinner than others and and yet God says to him <laughs> your sins are forgiven uh, to the one who pro- to the crowds would have seen well this guy has to be the worst of us because look at his condition right they were much you know theology of glory I know your pastor probably has taught you about that they hope, you know that the reality is <clears throat> For them, they thought that their outward condition showed the disposition of God towards them. How did God feel towards you? Well, uh, you know, are you healthy? If you're not healthy, then obviously God must be mad with you at some point. You know, think Job and his friends. Um, so if this man is paralytic, well, obviously God has is really displeased with him or his parents or somebody. Um, and it's, it's being manifested in his life. But here, Jesus is showing how does God really act towards us? Well, he's mm. acting towards us in grace. Your sins are forgiven. So you know he's not on the outside. He's not forgotten. He's not cast aside. He's actually being drawn in and being united to Christ in that relationship. The What I would love to look at in this, well, first of all, is he gives them what he truly needs, um, that you can be a paralytic and, and, and be saved, but you can't be saved without the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. And that, and that is, a, is a major piece that actually I think a conference man pointed to me one time when I was going through this text, is that that reality of Jesus knows what that guy needs and the intricate connection of salvation and healing and you know when Jesus returns of what this will look like. And, and secondly, I wonder this question, and this is something I want us to reflect. We have about a minute left before our break, is maybe these guys and the paralytic, they weren't necessarily going there to look for um, a, a, a healing. They were looking for exactly what they got, which was the forgiveness of sins, because they brought him in faith. And, and throughout the Old Testament and in Jewish world, they knew that there was forgiveness from the Lord. And so it's not surprising that they did this. Maybe they weren't even looking for healing. And Jesus gave them exactly what they were looking for. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, one of the words I had written down is restoration, right? I think he was looking to be restored. And maybe, like everything we have is speculation, um, maybe they were thinking that that uh, because Jesus had healed other people, that they could get that kind of restoration, but God's grace was greater <laughs> than what anyone could ever expect, right? That we could have a restoration so fully and so completely that all our sins are forgiven in Jesus. So restoration is definitely a big um, a big word that I wanted to think on today on this text, that he had an ultimate restoration in Christ. Well, I want to talk more about restoration after our break. We are studying Matthew chapter 9 with Pastor John Shank, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, 
go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. They say laughter is the best medicine, which is why nine out of 10 doctors recommend wrestling with the basics to cure your spiritual ills. Saturday mornings at nine on KFUO 850 AM or on demand at KFUO.org. Clear biblical gospel teaching with a sense of humor. If you're pregnant and have lower back pain, broken bones, diabetes, heart disease, or other ailments, consult your doctor or medical specialist in addition to listening to Wrestling With The Basics. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, wrote, There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, yet everyone in the world loathes it when he sees it in someone else. And the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. He's talking about pride. Dr. Michael Ziegler and The Devil's Pendant, this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 12.30 and 5 p.m. on KFUO. And welcome back. We are studying Matthew chapter 9 with Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Edwardsville, Illinois. And Pastor, you said a, a great word for us. I think that is a thread through everything in this text is restoration. Um, how would you define that word? How would you how would you look at that in context of what we're what we're seeing today? Can I, can you unpack that a little bit more before we continue on? Sure. Yeah. To be restored has to understand first our our need. Um, and that, that is definitely a theme of, of the text. There are those who understand that they have needs and those who think that they are full in and of themselves. So to, be, to, to first understand that there are those that um, are um, separated or uh, distanced or broken, and so in him his body is broken. So his body is not... Um, not fully functioning, so he needs to be restored to full function. Well, that's just this this life. But the spiritual eternal ramifications are that we have been broken in sin, and that connection to our head uh, and the full function of the body of Christ as this union has been broken, and we need to be restored uh, to, to him so that we can live and have our being and and have the fullness of what God has intended with our relationship to him so to be restored or reconciled uh to God through the work of his son 
So in that reconciliation, that, that restoration, which is perfect as we look at this, this man, right now he is restored back to God, and then people start talking, which is just fascinating when you see this, is that, that they don't get mad about Jesus not healing. They get mad that he's forgiving. <laughs> so it's just this weird dynamic. So uh, I'm ready to move on. Anything else before we move on here, Pastor? Yeah, uh, yeah, let's move on to talk about that, yes. Mm -hmm. All right, verse 3. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. You know what? I'm going to stop there, Pastor, before we get to the rest of the story. Paul Harvey quote there is mm -hmm. um, <laughs> for he, said, he asked a rhetorical question. What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? And I wonder, I, I asked this to my confirmands as well, is what is easier to say? And uh, you ask your kids, what is easier and what is the typical response or what are your thoughts? So, yeah, I think we... We have to make the distinction between what's easier to say and what's easier to do. There you go. Um, yeah. Because it's easier, I mean, anybody can say anything, right? Uh, but um, one of them can be easierly disproved, and the easier disproving thing is the healing. So he's going to say, um, he's going to say that, um, uh, I, I can forgive because look what look at this manifestation of uh, something that you thought would be impossible, which would be this person to to stand up, walk, and be fully restored um, by just speaking it. By my speaking, I can then man I can then um, demonstrate that I have authority over something that which in essence is actually harder, which is to forgive sin. Um, because right, uh, so we have to make the distinction. I'm I'm not saying that forgiveness is easier than healing, because we could go to a doctor and maybe a doctor over time can can uh, work on someone's nerves and restore their nerves. And are we saying that that's as easy as salvation? No, no, no. But Jesus is saying uh, that he, if if really if 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 saying um, I forgive you was as easy as um, you are healed, then the, the comparison or the example wouldn't make sense. He is, he is saying the harder, which is easier in the sense, which is easier to disprove, right? Yeah. That yep. makes the other one then applicable. Right? It is, that is, oh, that, I agree with you. It's amazing when you read, because at first we would say, well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because you can just say that, you know, you know, um, but, but it's easier to say, get up and walk in the sense of you actually can see the results. There it is. Right. Okay. All right. It happened. Forgive. I can't ever prove it. I can't say it's true or it's not true. And so he's really, I mean, he's playing with our minds as he's kind of playing with our own, I suppose. <laughs> at this point. But it is fascinating. He did not say uh, what's easier to do, because right. it is important for us to reflect on this, is that um, you can say that it's easier to forgive sins. But let's be honest about this doing thing. To forgive sins requires our Lord to give up his life. 
give right. to shed his own blood to to breathe and to suffocate to death that is actually harder to do as well so forgiveness kind of wins in both realms as we're hearing these words and so really jesus is he's putting them in their place and basically saying ultimately i'm god and and let me tell you about uh um uh what i can do and what kind of king i am and any thoughts yeah and so and they and they can they do get it um, yeah. in certain aspects, because they call him out for for blasphemy. So they know that only God can take our sins away. That, right. okay. So it's not mm-hmm. like, so we don't want to get the Pharisees wrong to the sense that they didn't think they had any sins, right? They do, um, but there is a self-righteousness within them that they don't think they're as sinful as they are, right? Oh my, so they yeah. do think that they're better, Right, I'm not like that paralytic. Right, I'm not like those tax collectors. I'm not like those sinners. So there is that connection, but they do think that that Jesus, um, you're saying things only God should be saying, or to whom God has given the authority. Right. So mm. Jesus, in our flesh, as the man, right, as man, is the given um, the. Uh, the communication of the attributes of God through through his humanity. This man, Jesus, is forgiving sins. And then he calls us into that work to also forgive sins, not because we did the work of it, but we get to proclaim what he has done and, and in that actually forgive sins, actually deliver what he has uh, fulfilled. So, um, so yeah, yeah. They, they get there's an issue here. And so let's 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 finish the rest of the story as as we hear this because that, that is a, that's pure gold what you just said. He then said to the paralytic. So he hasn't even spoken to the paralytic uh, as far as since this. Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. So I, I love the simplicity of this. Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. End of story. <laughs> that was it. You know, it's so simple. Um, but I also see a, a connection of the healing and salvation that God always has the connection of body and soul, if you will. That it's not just, oh, my soul's good. It's his body is restored, restoration. I'm trying to unpack that a little bit in my mind. But what do you have as the simple words Jesus says? And it happens. And then the guy goes home. Any thoughts? Yeah, which is, um, which is, it does make it clear. I mean, Jesus makes it clear that this is actually the harder thing to say, because if he would say, which is harder to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise, obviously we're going to do the easier thing. This sense, none of this would make any sense. He's doing, he's saying what is harder, which is easier to disprove. I'm going to do the harder thing here, which is to say, take up your mat and walk and it's done. Therefore you should also then believe me when I do the salvation thing, which is mm-hmm. your sins are forgiven, all the miracles point us to listen to what Jesus is saying about our salvation. If he can heal us, then he can restore us, which is to restore us to the Father, which is ultimately what we need, to be restored fully and completely, eternally to the Father. And all of this is given unto the realm of man to do, which is through his Son, through Jesus, the one who has taken on our flesh and is our Savior, he works this 
through the Christ Jesus. So as we look at these words, there's one passage that I, you know, it's kind of confusing. So he rose and went home. The crowd saw it. They were afraid and they glorify God. Uh, th- it goes with um, when Jesus uh, uh, threw out the uh, the demon possessed. I mean, the demons from the possessed man across the, the lake. People were afraid uh, to see. They were afraid um, and they asked him to leave. But here they glorified God who had given such authority to men. Really fascinating. I'm, I'm trying to unpack pack that a little bit. How would you... Um, teach that in verse 8. I do like how Dr. Gibbs and his commentary handles mm-hmm. it, which is yep. that this has been given over to the realm of man. Um, and I would want us to connect that um, m- maybe even further to the reality of who Jesus is, um, that he is the man Jesus. Therefore, as we would talk about at seminary, um, the communication of the attributes of God, they, yeah. that the divinity works through the humanity. Therefore, he doesn't destroy what it is to be God, um, but he does do things which are unique to the person of Jesus, that Jesus, who is true man, works the forgiveness of sins. So we can say things that are unique of Jesus, that uh, his, um, his blood is forgiveness, his death is reconciling um, that, um, that, that he, our brother Jesus, is the forgiveness of sins to us. And therefore, because it's true of Jesus who is our brother, therefore when I hear my pastor then proclaim it, I know he's speaking in the authority of Jesus my Savior. Therefore I can trust him as if Jesus himself was speaking to me because he is through his mouth. So it is um, this ongoing reality too, but it has to start, it has to center, and it has to abide in Jesus first and primarily, and then to whom Jesus has called uh, into this office too. That is, often we hear Jesus say, to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, showing that he is the God-man working among men. And I like how you unpack that too, because... This also gives us the reality that when he gives authority to men, uh, people, that that authority is real and gives us comfort to know that Jesus, who healed this paralytic, forgave this paralytic and his friends, also works through men to be able to get this done. And it gives us that comfort that this is true, right, and salutary. I mean, it, 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 like you said, Dr. Gibbs unpacked it beautifully. You even, you went a step further and it's even more beautiful. So, so thank you for that. Anything else on those first eight verses, Pastor? Which is also why they were afraid, because I believe they, they fully understood they were in the presence of God. Um, God is here in this man, Jesus. Um, therefore, the um, I'm not saying that all of their fears were the right fears, but there is a proper fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, which is, is good, right, and salutary. So um, just because it said they were afraid, but it says they're afraid and they glorify God. So there is a good understanding that we should be in awe of this God and in fear and trembling when we stand in his presence um, that should shut the mouths of those who are saying he's blaspheming (laughs) well uh he's not blaspheming if he's god is he and that should (laughs) cause us a little bit of a shudder to 
to run up the spine, right? Um, right. And rightfully so. So let's move on because this godliness gets revealed, I want to say, in a, a very visual way um, to not just paralytics, but to others. And, and this is a wonderful transition that Matthew makes, and it's deeply personal. So um, I'm ready to move on. You ready? Yes. All right, verse 9. I should say move forward, not move on like, okay, we're done with that. No, move <laughs> forward, I'm going to say from now on. Okay, verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. First question, Pastor, this is uh, you know a pretty simple one. Who's Matthew? <laughs> well, he is... Uh... The Apostle Matthew, uh, the evangelist who uh, writes Matthew. Uh, so uh, yes, he's he's definitely giving his uh, his own account of his call to be a disciple uh, in pretty uh, humble way. He um, states his position, his uh, prior occupation, which is not very glorious uh, when it comes to the people. So he's not trying to glorify himself. He's glorifying God and his grace and his mercy, that God would call such a person as him. And we see this throughout with all the apostles, disciples, evangelists, the the followers of Christ. They fully recognize that I am no one, and he is everyone, and he calls me into um, a state of being which I did not have, a relationship which was not mine, but now is. Um, a joy which it truly is um, unending for us as Christians. And so as we look at that, it's once again a very simplistic uh, uh, reality. It, and it, it, yeah. it talks about who he is, tax collector. Jesus says, follow me, and he followed. I mean, it really is that simple. And I, if you really think about it, that is our life of faith. It's pretty simple. Jesus calls us as his own. There's a little bit of water, a little bit of word, um, the forgiveness of sins. We receive the body and blood, and we live out our lives. It's If you really get back to it, it's really that simple. Any any thoughts on Matthew and being a tax collector and the simplicity of this story so far? Yeah, and the, yeah, there definitely is a lot that we have taught uh, and, and told our children and again, reflected on and, and things that they struggle with because the tax collectors were you know, definitely, um, it definitely struggled with that reality that we have a foreign occupation. We have these people who are are Jews, but they're kind of working with the uh, the foreigners, or even with Herod, who is kind of a bit of a usurper. He um, he's not a um, he's not really of the line of David. So how is he really king? And we've got different people now. Now you're going to work with them. A sense of greed. That could uh, definitely be a temptation for those who are going to be tax collectors because there's a bidding process where you would bid to be a tax collector and now you've got to regain what you uh, kind of put out or what you stated you could get, um, a temptation to take more than what was um, maybe uh, needful, <laughs> not mm-hmm. legally resp- allowed because it was allowed, um, but maybe um, – uh, wrong in the sense of um, being too greedy and, and being too oppressive to the people. Now, none of this is said about Matthew, and his position seems definitely lower than uh, Zacchaeus's or somebody else. Mm-hmm. 
but um, there is definitely a sense of looking at Matthew with a crossed eye, like why he's not even he's kind of in he's got a communion, but a union with the wrong wrong people, and you're gonna call him. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's gonna call he's gonna call Matthew because he's gonna call all of <laughs> us to follow him too. Yeah, even though he's he's not a Zacchaeus that we can tell at least. Uh, like he's 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 still part of that ilk, if you will, yeah. and and Matthew very intentionally doesn't dig too deep into that because he probably is like, you know what? They don't need to know more. They know enough about about my position, and he knows, which is why he includes this. I can guarantee it. I can't guarantee it, but I'm assuming that he knows what it means to be um, seen as a sinner. But yet Jesus went out of his way to call him. That's why I. I I, I love this point where the temptation is there. Even if he was maybe relatively faithful, the temptation is always there. The perception of a tax collector was not very good. And it's obvious. I mean, Jesus went specifically to him, um, like the father and the prodigal son. It was no question of who he's running to. And here, no question about who Jesus is going up to. It was Matthew, and he called the sinner back to himself. Anything else on, I mean, there's a lot in one verse, but anything else? Yeah, definitely in the sense of, you know, that personal, like the personal reality of the shepherd seeking after that one individual yeah. sheep. Mm-hmm. I want you. <laughs> and not yeah. because you're so great, because you're lost. And I, for my glory, will restore you. I will seek you out. I will find you. And I will call you home, right? And he's going to do it all. Yeah, Matthew gets it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell this story real quick. It, it goes back to one of my favorite football players growing up, Brian Bosworth, the Boz. And he was a linebacker for uh, Oklahoma. And the story goes, he was in high school. Barry Switzer was the, the head coach of uh, Oklahoma. And this is a documentary. And Barry Switzer came into the lunchroom at his senior high school, and he yelled from across the, <laughs> from the cafeteria in, like, this big fur coat and sunglasses and everything. And he yells, Brian Bosworth, I want you as an Oklahoma Sooner. (laughs) (laughs) I love that story. And then he went there and played football, and there's a whole other story beyond that. But that is how I envision this, is that he points them out among everybody else. Besides, Brian Bosworth was the guy that he would call out. But here, it's like he's calling the worst of the worst in that cafeteria and says, I want you. And that's what our Lord does for us, the worst of sinners, calls us out to follow him and by his blood, and by his Holy Spirit, we do. Let's finish off our text. We have about seven minutes left in our time, Pastor, verses 10 through 13. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Here, I mean, first of all, you hear this word, behold. And behold, many tax collectors and sinners were with Jesus and his disciples. So it's kind of like, look up. This is going to be a little bit different of a story. And what is the story that unveils here, Pastor? Yeah, and he's been doing that, right? We had, and look, uh, and they saw the the faith of the the friends and the paralytic, and then in three he said, "And look, scribes, <laughs> and uh, so in their un unbelief, 
who are saying that Jesus. So we have that and look and look and now and look, and they that's like almost they're they're saying it and look Jesus is with uh, tax collectors and sinners, and it's like we should we should be seeing this then. We should be seeing what God has actually come to do. We should be seeing that this is the fullness of the gospel. This is what grace is all about. That, you know, he's, you know, with the the Boz story, like, obviously, you would want someone like that on your team. So why is he going and picking up the nerd and saying, you know, you, you who are four foot, you know, five, you're going to be my star quarterback. No, no, none of those guys are six four. What are you doing? Yeah, no, I, I, I got this right. I'm going to do this. I'm calling who I want. I'm going to use the the foolish to to shame the wise. I'm going to use the weak to shame the strong. I'm calling, right? And so, the the sick to shame the healthy, right? That these people think that they're so healthy that they don't even need a doctor. Well, here the doctor is has come, come with healing in his hand. And they're like, I don't I don't need it. I'm not even sick. And and that's just amazingly um amazingly uh, painful to see the blindness of our sins and we've, we it's, we're all there. Um but but hopefully prayerfully by the by the epiphany light that we can see who this Jesus is, and by seeing what God has in store, rejoice, rejoice with great joy that he has come to these waters, calling us individually by name and saying to us individually, you are mine, you are mine. And it, I, I, I love that because like you said, he, he came with healing in his hands, um, the the hands that you know you when you think about Jesus's hands and and all that he did and and by his wounds we are healed is a language that is there and and many of them are like why would he be doing that and it's like well because they're sick and so are you and you're like no I'm not sick at all and it's just a reminder for all of us that indeed uh, that the chief of sinner though I be Jesus shed his blood for me and he calls us to be his own I do like the other. Uh, aspect of it is a table fellowship. And we don't want to go too far with this. And, and there, I read a number of commentaries that are like, well, you know, we can we can run with this, but we have to be careful how far we run with it. But there is that reality of when you eat with somebody, this matters. Like even today, if you go even to eat at like a Subway or McDonald's, the people you're eating with usually are people you um, uh, get along with or are friends or their loved one, um, at the very least, it solidifies that relationship. So you want to talk a little bit about that and the significance of Jesus eating with the sinners? Yeah, there's definitely a welcome. There's definitely union. Um, I agree that you could take it too far and and maybe make it, um, you know, misunderstand uh, communion realities of why we need to... Um, have communion as as we do in our church body, um, but here we're all invited into this house, <laughs> and we all are invited to feast on His Word, and we all and in, and in His goal, His desire is for all to be at His table. So yes, that is the goal, and <laughs> that is the goal, um, and but we have to come with a need, and so that's why we have to spend some time teaching so that we can reveal the need. We can pull back the layers and, and point out the 
infection that needs the the medicine healing of of Christ. But there are times where people just don't even know that they have uh, such a sickness. I was talking to some person, um, their spouse has cancer, and it's like there are some cancers that go really undetected until it's really bad. And so it is great when we can find these cancers before they spread, uh, before they are uh, terminal. And thanks be to God for the healing that he works through doctors. So there are times in which we can be have cancer and we don't even know it. And so these people are sick. They don't even know it. And how tragic that is. But his desire is is for mercy and is to show mercy and is to reveal this. But he can't. He can't um, uh, come and, and work his forgiveness where the people are rejecting that they're they're even sick. Pastor, we have about 30 seconds left in our time. How would you summarize our, our these wonderful verses that we have studied today? Yeah, I would summarize it in the understanding that, that this is who our Lord is, um, that we don't want to get lost in the uh, brightness of the miracle and lose the brightness of Christ. He is the bright shining star in the midst of all that he has come to do. And in the midst of our needs, understand our greatest need is for his restoration, that we will all face hardship. We will all be sick in this world. We'll all have uh, different needs, earthly needs. And the Lord cares for all of these. But understand that in his son, he has answered our greatest need to be restored, to be forgiven, and to have salvation in Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Edwardsville, Illinois, giving us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 9. Pastor Shank, thank you again for bringing us his gifts. Thank you. It's always an honor. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand. <laughs>